Morning, everybody. Um, so, we're on this uh, series of talks at the moment that, that Steve called Back to Basics, which is really just looking at some of the fundamental things of, of what we believe and uh, what makes us Christians and, and what we as a community here are trying to do. And this morning we're thinking about what it means to be a new creation. But I wanted to start just by asking you a question. So, we, we, we're all complex people, right? <laughs> complex emotions, complex makeup. How confident do you feel this morning? <laughs> Interesting question, isn't it? You know, some, some people exude confidence, self-belief. Some people are extroverts. Some are quite introverted, some are very shy, some are very insecure. Uh, if, if I'm honest with you, I would describe myself as being quite shy, quite introverted, which is a bit ironic, really, because most of my professional career I've spent giving lectures and talks to uh, students or postgrads, and you know, lecturing in a lot of different countries. And honestly, uh, when I was a student, if you'd told me uh, I'd be doing that, I would have died. <laughs> I would never have believed it. But we do live in an age of insecurity. Many people feel insecure. These are just some statistics, and I think it's fair to say it affects women and girls probably more than men and boys. But one in five teenage girls experience depression before they reach adulthood. That, that's, that's a shocking statistic, really. One in five get depressed before they reach adulthood. One in four teenage girls consider plastic surgery because of the expectation that society has. They feel insecure. Seven in ten, seven out of ten girls believe that they are not good enough in some way. Whether that's not good enough at school, they don't look good enough. Seven out of ten believe that they are not good enough in some way. Seven in ten girls avoid normal activities if they feel bad about their looks. The, these are statistics that have come out of surveys, but it, it kind of illustrates the insecurity that is out there. Probably worse amongst girls, but certainly affects boys. Certainly affects men and women as well. There is perhaps a bit of an epidemic of insecurity because of the expectations that are put on people, particularly about physical appearance. And we left wondering and asking that question, am I good enough? Do I measure up? Constantly compare ourselves to other people. And the thing this morning that I want to say is that God wants us to be secure. God wants us to be secure. There is absolutely no doubt about that. I want to tell you about this guy, Simon Woodward. 
Don't know if any of you know him or have heard him speak or know about his story. But um, he moved to Wales with his family when he was seven years of age. Uh, moved to Wales and his family took him along to the local church. Um, he hated going to church. Absolutely hated going to church. Uh, he said, uh, and I quote his words here, people went in depressed and came out suicidal. <laughs> it was not a good experience of church. So, <laughs> so after a little while, he stopped going. Not surprising, really. Um, and a few years later, when he was about 11, uh, his mum and dad became Christians. And so they started taking him to church again. He could see the difference in his mum and dad. They went to a different church, uh, a much better church, much livelier church, where um, he engaged and he found Jesus. And at the age of 12, he gave his life to Jesus. But he went through a tough time. There was a, a girl two years older than him in the church that he knew very well. That girl developed cancer. And at the age of 16, she died. And everybody in the church had been praying for her healing. They'd been praying and fasting. But she died at the age of 16. So Simon was 14 at that stage, and he just could not deal with that. He could not understand why she had died. He was devastated, and he turned his back on God. And he went chasing after... Alcohol, women, and drugs, mostly. And as he said, the very thing that he needed was the one thing he was running away from. And for 16 years, he filled his life with alcohol, drugs, violence. He was a martial arts instructor, um, traveled the world, in fact, uh, as a martial arts instructor. He said, actually, it gave him a good excuse just to beat people up became addicted to, to violence, effectively. From one relationship, he had two daughters, messed up the relationship, lost his daughters, lost contact with them, lots of fighting, scrapes with police, etc. He ended up marrying a woman that he thought he loved, and one night they went to a party. He was high on drugs, He'd been drinking a lot, and he found his wife with his best friend. And he said he just completely flipped. Completely flipped. He was so high on drugs, he doesn't even remember exactly what he did. But he caused them a huge amount of harm. He woke up in prison the next morning. He was told he was going to have a long custodial sentence. Called his dad from prison. His dad came and collected him, wouldn't speak to him. Dropped him off at his nan's house in Hales Owen because his nan had agreed to take him in. Threw his bag out of the car, drove away. First night with his nan, he couldn't sleep. Spent the whole night thinking about what had happened. How he'd let down everybody. Thought he'd never see his two children again. And he thought the only way out was to take his life. That was the night of the 1st of January. 2nd of January, he went down in the morning, gave his nan a huge hug because 
he thought that was going to be the last time he ever saw her. Went out the door, not knowing exactly what he was going to do, but his mind was set, he was going to commit suicide. Ended up walking through a churchyard, which reminded him about God. And he just started crying out to God. Walked through the churchyard, across the street opposite him was a church. And there was a service going on in the church. Big cross up outside the church. He couldn't bring himself to go up the steps. Couldn't bring himself to go up the steps. He went around the side of the church. He found a side entrance and went down underneath. Sat down and he could hear what was going on upstairs. He could hear the preacher. And the preacher said, no matter what you've done, God can put it right. God wants a relationship with you. And he sat there. He listened to the sermon. And he went back to his nan's house. Two weeks later, he rededicated his life to Christ. And he's never looked back. Still had to go to prison. It was for a shorter time than he anticipated. And he said, ironically, he went to prison knowing that he was free. He realized that he was living in his own prison for the last 16 years. Now has a restored relationship with his daughters. One of his daughters is living with him restored relationship with his parents. God has totally restored what he had destroyed. He's now an associate pastor at Life Central Church in Hales Owen. Completely and utterly transformed. And that's just one of millions and billions of stories about how Jesus intervenes in people's lives. We've all got a story. My story is far less dramatic, I have to say. Far less dramatic. Never been in prison. Hope I never will be. Um, <laughs> my parents were both Christians. My dad was a Baptist minister. Many of you know this. My dad was a Baptist minister. Lovely, lovely parents. Brought up in a Christian home. One of five children. I'm right in the middle. Never went through a particularly rebellious phase, I have to say, as a child. I... I went along to church, and it was a lovely family church like this one, a safe place where people looked out for each other, where there was genuine love amongst them. And it was a lovely place to be. At the age of... Uh, th this was um, Perry Rise Baptist Church, I say, southeast London, uh, near Forest Hill, if anybody knows the area. That's, that's the church there up on the top left. My brother, my older brother, had become a Christian before me, and uh, at that stage, I, I was about 11, I think it was, and used to go to piano lessons once a week in an evening. We used to walk home from school, my brother and I, and kind of halfway home, we'd stop off and I'd go for piano lessons. I was useless. Um, and I, I always regret that I never stuck with it because I'd love to be, play the piano now. Uh, and I'm, I'm really jealous of people that can play it well. But... I, 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 I didn't stick with it. I, I, I gave it up. Um, but for a, for a period of time, probably for about a year or so, we, we were going to these piano lessons and then we'd walk the rest of the way home. And I can remember so vividly, I was walking home with my brother after a piano lesson and my brother was talking to me about Jesus and saying what it meant just to open your heart to Jesus. 
And I gave my life to Jesus on the way home. Um, I got this from Google Maps because that little brick wall there that you probably can't see, but that was a little brick wall. So on the evening, I just knelt down at that brick wall and asked Jesus to come into my life. I was 11 years old. A year later, I was baptized. Nothing dramatic like Simon Woodward. But what God did for me is exactly the same as what he did for Simon Woodward. He made me a new creation. It might not seem as dramatic, but it's every bit as dramatic, really. He made me a new creation. This is just a, a few verses from Paul writing to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. And it encapsulates what this is all about. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has given their life to Christ, if anybody has said, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe you're the Son of God, I want to welcome you into my life. If anybody is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. God has made us a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God has saved us and says, go and tell the world that I love the world. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's the heart of the message of the gospel. That is God's Good news to us and to the world. News of incredible love and passion. God's desire is to make everything new. To mend the hurt. To restore relationships. To bring people back to him. It's, it's an incredible message, isn't it? That Jesus died for you and for me. So that we can be forgiven. God raised Jesus from the dead to show that death has no power anymore. A new world order began when Jesus came. And it's not just forgiveness. We talk about these things in church and about the way God has restored relationship with us. And it's so much more than just forgiveness. So much more than setting us on the right path, as it were. God desires friendship with us, but it's so much more than friendship with us. When we turn to Jesus, when we accept what Jesus has done for us, 
God says, I am going to make you a new creation. I am going to put my spirit inside of you. I'm not just forgiving you for your sins. I'm not just forgiving you and setting you right and saying, we can have a relationship. I'm going to put my spirit in you, my spirit in you. You are going to be a new creation. When I look at you, I'm going to be able to see my spirit. I'm going to be able to see Jesus in you. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus is the perfect one. I can look on you and I can see you as being perfect in my sight. And because of that, we have complete relationship with God. God says, you're righteous. I'm going to call you my sons and my daughters. Not just my friends, my sons and my daughters. Everything that I had stored up for Jesus, my son, is for you. That's how much God loves us. That he wants to share everything with us. This is total security. In Jeremiah, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? I mean, it, it, would, be, it would be incredible if God just said, I want to forgive you and have a relationship with you. That would be incredible enough, wouldn't it? But God says, no, I've got so much more planned for you. I'm making you a new creation. The old's gone. The new is here right now for you, for me. The new is here. God has put his spirit in us. God looks at us and sees Jesus. He says, you're my son, my daughter. I've loved you so much. So much. He wants us to have that security. He wants us to be totally sure that our future is absolutely 100%, 110% guaranteed. God doesn't lie. God does not lie. We are new creations. We are secure in him. We can trust him 100%, whatever else is going on. We are new creations. There is nothing more dramatic than that. And there's no magic that goes along with this. It's all to do with what Jesus did for us. As Paul says in his letter to the Romans, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. All he's saying is put your trust in Jesus. Know that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died for you, that God rose, lifted him up from the death. Put your trust in him. Simple as that. Then you become a new creation. Every one of us that has got to that point where we've given our life to Jesus, has that story. Every one of us have a, has a different story. My story, very different from Simon Woodward's story. But every one of us can look back and say, 
God has intervened at some point in my life. And at that point, I became a new creation. Might not always feel like it. <laughs> there are some mornings I get out of bed. Debbie would tell you if she was in here, I'm, I can be grumpy. <laughs> I don't always live out that new creation, but it doesn't stop the fact that God has made me a new creation. And it is a paradox. As with so much with God's kingdom, there is a paradox here. Because it is absolutely true that God has made me a new creation. But it is equally true that I struggle with that every day. I'm still bound by things I do that I shouldn't do. And I don't do things that I should do. And that's the reality and that's the struggle of where we are right now. God has made me a new creation, but it's not complete yet. God is in the process of making me a new creation. And one day, it will be complete. One day, it will be. It all started when Jesus came into the world. That was the point where God said, I am making things new. For each of us as individuals, that point where we can put our trust in Jesus and say, yeah, I believe that you died for me, for my sins. I believe you are Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. At that point, God makes us a new creation. But we have to work on it. He's still making me a new creation. And one day it will be finished. And one day we'll be united with God. And all the imperfection will be gone. And God's recreation will be complete. Curious thing. Wonder what's the most valuable thing that you have bought? The most valuable thing that you've ever bought. For most of us, I guess probably the thing we spend most money on is a car or a house. It's exciting, isn't it? Get a new house or a new car. It smells new. Well, maybe the house that Stephen had moved into recently didn't smell that new, actually. <laughs> Smelt revolting. But, you know, there, there's the excitement, and you paint it, and you do it up, and you decorate it, or the car. You know, when it's nice and new, you polish it, you keep it looking really nice. What happens? What happens over time? Yeah kind of ends up looking like this. And I hate to say it, Stephen Han, but that nice house that you're building, that you're working on, eventually it's going to look like that. Things deteriorate and decay over time. Things get old, end up crumbling or being crushed. It's a fact of life, isn't it? But in God's topsy-turvy kingdom, see, he does things completely the other way around. 
He takes the things that are crushed and broken and crumbling. And he says, I'm going to make them new. And over time, they get newer and newer until that new creation is completely fulfilled. And God says, you are the most expensive thing I have ever bought. You are the most expensive thing I've ever bought. It cost me my son. I love this concept that uh, Paul talks about, about our bodies being like jars of clay, but having treasure within. I think I like it uh, because I'm getting older. <laughs> and I realize that my, my body is decaying a bit. I can't do the same things that I used to be able to do. But this idea that our bodies are these jars of clay, and they will deteriorate, and they will crumble, and they will crack, but inside God has put his spirit. There is a new creation in there. And as we turn away from selfishness, as we turn away from self-centeredness, so God's Spirit can shine out more through these jars of clay. What is true of us as individuals is also true of the whole of creation. God says, I've made you new. I've put my spirit in you. You are a new creation. When God sent Jesus into the world, that was the first chapter in God making the whole world new again. And we know what God's end plan is. He's told us what his end plan is. I'm going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. All of the old things will pass away. Eventually, God is going to make everything new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Every bit of suffering will be wiped away. It's not happened yet, but it will happen. God has promised it. It all started when he sent Jesus. That was the point at which the world was made new as well as individuals. It's in the process of being made new. It will eventually get there. God has promised it. This he will do. And this he is doing right now. Probably the in-betweeners haven't featured in many sermons, which is why I thought I'd put them in. <laughs> Those of you who haven't watched the in-betweeners, you're not missing an awful lot. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we are the in-betweeners. We are the in-betweeners. We have the privilege of living in the in-between time, between the point at which God intervened in sending his son into the world 
and the point in which God is going to wipe away everything and create everything new again. We are the in-betweeners. And that's a massive privilege. That's a massive privilege because God says, you're my new creation. I'm going to work with you to help bring about the recreation of the whole world. James puts it like this in his letter. We are the first fruits of all he created. He chose to give us birth through the word of, the, uh, of truth, Jesus, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It's a kind of down payment, if you like. We are the green shoots of recovery. We are the little buds of life on the tree in springtime because we are the first fruits of God's new creation. He is in the process of making everything new. When Jesus was here, you remember, he taught his disciples how to pray and we have that beautiful Lord's Prayer. Part of the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done, as in heaven, so also on earth. Jesus wants us to pray for God's kingdom right now to come here on earth. God wants us to be a part of his kingdom, his transformation, right here, right now on earth. We are to be part of God's new creation plan. We are to be part of his kingdom on earth right now. What does that look like? What does that look like for you and me as individuals day to day as we live our lives? What does that look like for us as a church here in Gillingham? We need to remember what God's kingdom is, what God is trying to achieve, where suffering will end, where hunger will be no more, where crying will stop, where loneliness will be a thing of the past. That's what God's kingdom looks like. Can you get a vision of that? Can you get a vision of what God wants for us to be a part of right now? So far as it depends on us, we need to see God's kingdom come right now. We're to be a renewed community, reflecting the fact that we are new creations, recreated in God's image. We're called to serve this community in Gillingham, to reach out with the love of God, to show people the passion, the passion that he has for them, healing the sick, feeling, feeding the hungry, standing alongside the lonely, standing with those who are suffering, 
fighting against injustice, walking with the lonely. By doing this, we are bringing the kingdom of God here now, bringing a little bit of heaven on earth, the start of God's new creation. We can't do it for everyone. Sadly, we cannot do it for everyone. Our job is to do it for those people that we can do it for. To do for them what we would want to do for everyone. Newborn baby has so much potential, doesn't it? Those of you that are parents, you'll remember the time when your children were born. Hold them in your hands. And your biggest desire for your child to be healthy, to be happy, to fulfill their potential probably sums up what most of us desperately want for our children. What do you think God wants for us? His new creation. To fulfill our potential as new creation in Christ. To fulfill our potential, our part in bringing God's kingdom here on earth. I don't know about you, but there are times when I struggle because I get it, I know what it means, but I think, you know, God, it's just not that easy, is it? Because you know what I was like yesterday at work. You know what I was like when I lost my temper and people saw that I got angry unnecessarily or maybe I got involved in gossip that I shouldn't have got involved in or all sorts of things. You know, we're still part of a fallen world. We still make mistakes. And I think, yeah, I'd love to be part of your new creation, God, but look how badly I've messed things up. And God says, <laughs> forget about it. I don't even remember it. Because I look at you and I see the righteousness of Jesus. I look at you and I see my new creation. I don't care what happened in the past. What I care about is what happens in the future. What I care about is what you're going to do with me right now, today. God has such hopes for you and for me. If we step out in faith and if we fulfill just a little of the potential that we have in Christ, then I think we'll see the vision for this church happen. We will be a healthy, growing church where people can meet Jesus, know him, and make him known. Then we'll see the transformation of this church. We will see the transformation of this community. Then we'll know the joy of heaven on earth. Amen? Amen. Amen.